Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And he's never been a part of my life. So he's been absent since I was 15 months. And I did go to visit him. I found out his address and I decided to rock up at his house. Probably not the smartest move, but at that time, that's how I felt. So th- those are the steps that I took. I went to his house in about 2016 to, I guess you could say, confront him for his absence. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. 
Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back. It's so great to have had a mini break from the podcast and to be heading into season four. This is episode 80. How crazy is that? Wow, 80 extremely important stories that are now out there in the world so that we can learn and connect and spread awareness about the effects of childhood trauma and change the future for next generations. Real quick, I wanted to let you know that the doors are now open for the self-love initiation. This is my signature course and I am super excited for this. I'm going to be leading women on a 12-week journey to find their true selves and be their true selves so that you can start living the life you dream of. It's about living in the freedom to be yourself instead of living in the expectation and judgment of your mother, your father, your family, your friends. If you have spent way too long believing that you are unworthy, unlovable, if you feel lonely or disconnected, if you feel like you're constantly hustling for everyone's approval, trying to measure up to what you think is expected of you, if you are seriously exhausted with trying to be someone you think will fit in and you are starving for connection and love, this 12-week immersion is about finding your true self and being your true self in all of your power and magic so that you can start making decisions that are good for you, getting your needs met and putting you first. When you start listening and trusting that tiny voice inside of you, you will be amazed by your own wisdom and power and what that does for your life. It's about finding the goddess that lives within every single one of us She is calm, clear and confident in where she is going and what she needs. And then you are living in the ultimate freedom, the freedom to be you. There is a link to take you to all the details in the show notes or you can message me on Instagram and I would be very happy to chat. Living in your power, love and abundance is your birthright and I want this for you so much beautiful soul. Please go and check it out and there is an irresistible early bird price there that you need to take advantage of ASAP. This week I am chatting with Shalina. Shalina's father left when she was only 15 months old and that moment truly changed Shalina's life forever because fatherlessness is not something we need to get over or feel ashamed about. Fatherlessness is real, raw and damaging to a young child's life and their future and Shalina spent her childhood trying to figure out why her father wasn't around. Where was he and why didn't he want to be a part of her life? The father wound runs deep and affects so many of us and Shalina has some incredible words of wisdom on this topic. Please join me now for Shalina's story. 
Shalina, thank you so much for joining me. You are a trauma counsellor, a life and career coach, a musician and producer, and you are sharing some great information for your followers around absent fathers and intergenerational trauma on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. I'm excited for you to share your expertise on these topics, but first let's dive into your story. Your father has been absent for most of your life. When did he leave? Thank you so much for having me on the show, first of all. I can't wait to sort of you know, share my story and my journey. So in relation to my father, my parents divorced when I was 15 months old and I'm 30 now and he's never been a part of my life. So he's been absent since I was 15 months and I did go to visit him. I found out his address and I decided to <laughs> rock up at his house. Probably not the smartest move, but at that time, that's how I felt. So th those are the steps that I took. I went to his house in about 2016 to, I guess you could say, confront him for his absence. You know, like, why weren't you there? Where have you been? You you had the opportunity to to see me, to to have me in your life as your daughter, and you, cho you chose not to do that. And I can't understand why. Like, I was a child. I would not have done something to you for you to make that choice. But he had uh, married my mom for visa, and he did not want to pay child support. He just, he's, he's, he, he had a, he had an agenda and he met his agenda. And, you know, once, once he got what he wanted, my mom and I were non-existent to him. And um, then, then when I was 17, I found out that he was married, remarried with another daughter. And I think that's sort of when my world sort of fell apart. Cause I thought, wow, like you had a family, like you had us, you chose not to, stay with us but now you have another wife and another daughter like I can't can't comprehend that like it perplexes me that you could have the audacity to do that but he did he somehow was justified in his mind for his actions and yeah I sort of dreamt my whole life like meeting him what it was going to be like and I realized like the things you dream up in your mind of what a what a situation is going to be like versus what actually happens are always two different things. Because in my mind, I thought I'm going to yell at him. I'm going to scream at him. I might turn violent. I might slap him. I don't know what I was thinking. And then when I got there, I was like to his house. I was like, wow, I don't even feel like yelling at him or swearing at him or slapping him. I just want to know what he has to say. But I didn't really get any answers, like anything that, you know, could assuage my pain. Like nothing could do that. No words could that he could say could change how I felt and the fact that I'm the one that had to go and see him like no child should ever have to run after their parents I don't believe like you know it's the parent's job to to do the right thing so yeah that's sort of how it unfolded and that was into 2016 it's 2022 now and like I still I think I still feel the pain like you don't heal you don't ever sort of get over that or heal from it I think you just learn to carry it which is also quite hard sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's just in the end, people just can't be who we need them to be for us, you know, and it's so hard. It's so hard to accept that. But it's like, you know, so many people in the world are just so desperate for the people around them to be the thing that they need them to be. And people just can't be that, you know. No. And when we when we do figure that out, even though it's painful, when you realize it's not about me, you know, it's it's not, 
about who I am because I'm amazing and and beautiful and when you understand that and you realize it's it really is about that person and they're just not able to give you it's so freaking disappointing though isn't it really is and it affects you in so many ways like fatherlessness or motherlessness but I haven't experienced motherlessness so I can't talk on that part but with fatherlessness it affects you in so many ways like you know psychologically and academically and spiritually and the depth of it I think the everyday human who has happened to grow up with both parents they can't understand the depth of the pain but if you only had one parent or if your parent your father was there but maybe emotionally absent you can sort of feel how it can affect you in it's a multitude of layers that fatherlessness can affect you on I still I still am affected by it I can't say that I've healed from it I don't think you heal from grief it's a form of abandonment is grief yeah so I think it's just about trying to sometimes cope with it like you sometimes the world the weight of the world is on your shoulders and other times you're okay and it just depends on the day you know yeah absolutely very hard it's it's and it's a topic we don't talk about enough I feel I don't hear about it enough as well so I think that's why I I try I talk about it. it it hurts but I do it so that I can validate somebody else's pain or raise awareness on the topic because it matters a lot 100% and so going back to the little girl who grew up without a father, what was that like for you? It, it is sort of our normal, isn't it, when we're in a situation and we don't have a, a parent or whatever our situation is becomes normal, but, but also it's, you, you're sort of aware that it's not normal as well. So how was that for you growing up? I think it was very confusing because... I saw everybody around me. Well, it felt like everybody around me had a father and a normal family, and I didn't. So it was growing up with something always missing, and you're not tr- you're, you're trying to figure out what it is, and you can't, and you internalize it. You think there's something wrong with you. So my father's absence, I thought to myself, like, where is he? Why doesn't he want me? Did I do something? Like, is it to do with me? Was I... What could I have done? But then when you think of it logically, I was a 15-month-old baby. I, I could not have possibly done anything. But when you don't know where to look outside, you look inside. And I think that's what I was doing. And it's also you you feel like you're not worthy or you're not good enough or you have, like, strange relationships with, like, the men around you. Like, you might get attached to somebody who seems like a father figure or you might be scared of men because you're not used to having men in your life. So it was a... For me, it was like that as well. I, fe- I, ha- I felt both of that. And it, but you also grow up with a constant fear of abandonment and rejection and just being hurt or just not being good enough in general for people. Yeah. So it was, it, was very, it was very confusing. But as I got older, and I couldn't label my emotions as well. So I, it was hard for me to regulate my emotions in my mind because I couldn't label them. I couldn't figure out what it was that I was feeling as well. And I think we as adults sometimes do that as well, unable to label our, our emotions. So as a child, like, it's even worse Yeah. <laughs> to do that. So I think that, yeah, a lot of that is what I sort of felt growing up, just a sense of loss, but unable to detect exactly what it was. I knew it was my father, but what exactly it was I was feeling inside, that was hard for me to sort of pinpoint, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And it's a feeling of a lack of self-worth, isn't it, underneath everything? I mean, it's just this feeling that I'm not worth having a father almost, which 
obviously is not true, but I think that's how we, on some level, we feel. Yes, yes. I well, I felt that because, and I still, to be honest, I still do. You know, why is it that he chose to be my my half sister's father and not mine? You know, like she's, I think she's fourteen or something like that now. Like, why did he choose her over me? Why couldn't both of us be equal? But I'm never going to get an answer, and I think not finding closure, which is what I went to him for, to find some sort of closure. I, I wanted to hear the truth, regardless of how much it was going to hurt me. I wanted to hear him say it, that, oh, I used your mom for visa, or I just didn't love you, or whatever it was, I wanted to hear that. I could have handled that. What I could not handle was the cover-ups and the lies and, you know, the justifications for why he couldn't see me. I, I didn't want to hear that, but that's all he gave me. So, you know, the the, the unknown is something you live with for the rest of your life and I think that's quite hard to digest for me it was yeah. and it's this yeah so when you saw him and you tried to talk to him he just wasn't forthcoming with any kind of explanation he was just trying to blame my family being like oh you know this member of your family didn't let me see you and my mum had an ABO against him because there was domestic violence incorporated into this as well. So he said, oh, you know, I had an ABO against me. And then because of the ABO, I lost my license. And I'm thinking, you don't, you don't lose a license when you have an ABO. They're two separate things. You can have an ABO and still have your driver's license. So he was trying to come up with all these excuses as to why he didn't see me. But I'm sorry, but some parents go to the end of the world to see their children, to find them. Like he was in Sydney and I was in Sydney. Like he was in Bucktown and I was in the Southern Shire. Like, what is that? Like a 40 minute, you know, bus ride or train ride or something? Like there's no excuse, but he was just finding excuses. And that's, I think what made me feel really worthless. It was like, wow, you can find all these excuses not to see me, but you just can't be real and raw with it and tell me what's really going on. He just couldn't. The, the, maybe I was a, maybe I was some part of his life that he wanted to forget. Maybe I was some sort of truth in his life that he did not want to accept or acknowledge or, for, or he wanted to forget. Then he couldn't face me because if he had to face me, he had to face his own bullshit, to be honest. Sorry for my language, but perhaps that's what it was. I, mm. I actually don't know. That's the hardest part is not knowing what the actual truth is. Yes, and I think, was he very young at the time? No, hold on, my mum was 34. He would have been 30, so he would have oh, been... Oh, okay, younger. so he wasn't just like a kid or something? No, yeah. no, he was, you know, he had told my mum, oh, I really want a family and, you know, all the things that we want to hear, but he really wanted his visa because around the time I was born, he got his visa to stay in Australia. So it, and he changed. People change after they get their visas. And, and he must have... Obviously, in his mind, he was some level of desperation to stay in this country. To bring a child into this world, for him, it didn't mean anything. It was a piece of paper that was, you know, of utmost importance to him. And obviously, it still is. And it's just, it's it's a shame. It's a shame that you would do something like that to an innocent person. Or an innocent, like my mum and myself, we were both innocent. Why would you do that? They don't care. No respect for human life. Like, that to me is a crime against humanity, I feel. Like, that's how strongly I feel about it. Mm. Yes, well, it's it's incredibly self-centred, isn't it? And obviously, yeah, I mean, it's very hard to get into the brain of somebody who thinks that way when we're, we're obviously completely different, you know, we're such sensitive 
souls and we feel into everything and I just think some people don't feel into anything you know and so it's just a hard it's just a really hard thing to comprehend and so what was your relationship like with your mum growing up just the two of you we were living with her parents while I was growing up until I was about 10 so but my mum because she was a single parent you know being a single parent with no child support being paid you know it's it's double triple the work it's triple the stress it's it's so much so she had a lot of financial burden and a lot of stress to make two ends meet and and raise me as well so but I always understood her and she felt I think my mom felt guilty that I didn't have a dad I think some part of her maybe blamed herself that the marriage did not work and now I'm left without a dad I think she did feel that but I don't blame her like it's not her fault that my dad turned out to be the way he was so yeah it's but like we're pretty close I tell her everything like she knows she knows what I'm doing it is it but it's just me and her so you have to nurture that relationship and make sure you are close with the only one person that you have in your life like for me it's just my mom but of course she's been through her fair share of trauma as well and mm. that's the, the the intergenerational trauma that has been passed down from her mom to her and my great-grandmother there you know it's passed down the line but because I can see what everybody's trauma was because I'm so aware of trauma I don't let it affect me like if I know that somebody is coming from a place of their trauma I don't internalize it whereas before I used to when I did not have the knowledge now I sort of see me like trauma when you go through trauma, you act out in some sort of dysfunctional ways, which people think is abnormal, but trauma is an abnormal event anyway. So an abnormal event equals an abnormal reaction, which is actually quite a normal reaction. Like they, it cancels out. So when I see that, I think I understand. And I have to come from a place of understanding. If I don't, I'm the one that's going to crumble. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to suffer. So, so our relationship has pretty much always been like quite open and I guess transparent. It's the only way it's because we only have each other we can't you know be hiding things from each other it doesn't work it won't work yeah and I love that insight about intergenerational trauma because it's so true isn't it you can go through your whole life and everything that's going on around you is just like so hard but when you see it through the eyes of trauma you're like oh my god that person is just a mess (laughs) you know that person is just it's nothing to do with me there what what is going on over there is crazy you can just see people dripping in their trauma can't you yes and when you're when you actually see that it changes everything it changes everything that you see I reckon around you it does it does once you understand what trauma is and and the thing is I've realized a lot of people don't know what they've gone through or are currently going through is trauma you know they they actually don't know especially in my Indian community because we don't talk about it in my culture not in India wherever Indians are they just don't talk about it which is why I feel this calling and this urge to talk about it And, you know, trauma is just our emotional and physical and spiritual reaction or response to an event that has caused us distress. So my reaction is going to be so different from yours and the next person. So if we can just understand that when we act out or when we do something that seems abnormal, it's actually just coming from a place of trauma. You can really, instead of judging people, you just have empathy, you know, And, and you don't, you don't curse at them. You don't yell at them. You don't scream at them. You just, 
you're more peaceful when you know somebody's gone through trauma you're actually quite peaceful because you understand why they do what they do but most of us don't <laughs> and that's 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 why I think people find it hard to understand other people because they don't speak about their traumas or they just don't understand what trauma can do to you 100% 100% when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And that's, you know, why you do what you do and I do what I do is trying to get that kind of word out there so that more people can understand because I think we're living in a world where people are just so focused on the path in front of them and anyone that gets in the way is just going to be blasted out of the way really it's no understanding for where that person is at today and everything that's happened for them in their life with your mother and her culture what are the main traumas that you see coming through I think in my culture and it may be in other cultures as well I think identifying emotions emotional regulation and communicating in a healthy way and learning what boundaries are were things that were not taught you know not 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 to my mom not to my grandmother not to my great-grandmother nobody understood that we talk about boundaries now we talk about healthy communication we talk about emotional regulation now but even my mom's generation don't understand that. And they think that you're like, they might think that my generation's being rebellious or, you know, we have, we're too self-righteous. It's not that it's just, we're choosing to end things that no longer serve us. The pain and the traumas that you've gone through, they, they don't serve me. I'm not going to be, the, this cycle has to end at some point and that ends with me, but for them, they don't understand that because they've lived in that mindset for like 30, 40, 50 years. How do they come out of it? But we're fresh. There's so much talk about mental health now. We know when a person's acting out because of their traumas, but they don't. They don't understand the concept. So I think that's a, that's quite a that's quite heavy on them. Just that itself. Like I'm the only one who speaks about mental health in my family, and then I get labeled like I'm crazy, and it's like I'm not crazy. I just see things that you. Yeah. Don't see. Yeah, but I, I mean, even looking at my parents, it's a real thing of not really getting in touch with the feelings or the emotions. You can get very numb to feeling anything because that's how they've got through. That's how they've survived their life. If I don't have to connect with it, I don't have to feel it, I just keep going. And then, of course, people are sick and people are falling to pieces but it's just the way they've always done it it's the way their parents did it and so on right yeah yeah and 
I think a lot of us don't know how to label emotions. For example, anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. Your primary emotion is frustration or rage or bitterness or irritation. But the blanket term is just anger. But when you break it down, you're actually feeling something else. And I think a lot of us may not have been given the tools to identify what it is we're feeling and where it comes from. Because when you go through trauma, you get disconnected from So whenever the trauma has happened, sometimes people, they get disconnected from it. They can't remember it or they subconsciously, they shut it down. Their memory, we can't remember what has happened. So they can't connect the dots between why they're acting the way they're acting now and what happened to them as a child or in adolescence. And so it's, it can be quite uncomfortable as well for some people to identify. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have any father figures in your life growing up? Not really. Like I had my mom's brother, but he was, he's my uncle. And I saw him as an uncle. My granddad, the thing is, whichever male was in my life, I saw them as that. So my granddad was just my granddad. I didn't see him as a father. My uncle was just my uncle. I never really had any father figures. In, In my head, I just felt like he was not replaceable. And the only time he could be replaced was if perhaps maybe my mom found a partner who really took on the role as a father. But as I got older and my mom wasn't able to find somebody who accepted me and and accepted the situation, I think I gave up the hope that I was ever going to have that. So nobody really came close to that, which also meant that I was placing harsh expectations on my romantic partners because there's voids that you want them to fulfill consciously or subconsciously. And I think I took that out on them and it's not their fault. I didn't have a dad, but in my mind, it was like, oh, but I want in my head, I was dreaming of a man who was like, you know, like a father figure and was protective and was caring and was nurturing the the dream in my mind of what a father's supposed to be like, because I knew I was never going to have a father. I wanted that in a partner. So, but that in turn has, you know, the opposite effect and, there's too much expectation placed on the man and then you get disappointed. Mm. So it, fatherlessness affects your relationships as well in, in immense ways. Yeah. Yes, because I guess you're subconsciously, even if it's not conscious, you are looking for that protective figure, aren't you? You just crave that, I suppose, in your life. I was. I was. I am lucky though, however, I am with somebody who actually completely understands and is like that but that was his nature by nature he is protective and fatherly and but that's his nature he's he's only seven years older than me but because his nature was like that I don't have to place that expectation on him because he understands but not all men understand and not all men have that 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 nature within them to be that sort of father-like so I mean I guess the universe blessed me in that way yeah yeah, you find the find the person that fits, right? Yes. And so, like, obviously you grew up and, and it was difficult. By the time you got to be a teen, what was your mental health like at that point? Oh, I, I was always really, I was always feeling pretty much depressed. I was always down. I was always, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing good at school. I hated school. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be there. I was always feeling left out and worthless but even at school it was like I faced a lot of racism and bullying as well so in my head I thought oh if I had had a dad 
then perhaps I wouldn't have faced all this bullying and racism too. Maybe I would have had a strong male figure to come and defend me. And so I grew up really angry as well. I'm, I'm not a violent person. I've never, you know, never hit anybody. I don't punch walls or I don't do anything like that. But in my mind, I was always just, I was angry. I was bitter. I was lost. I was seeking male attention. I was, you know, constantly questioning myself. Am I worthy? Am I good enough? You know, you turn to sort of like self-harming as well, you know, self-harming behaviors as well. The one thing that kept me sane was that I used to write in a diary. I used to have a diary and I used to just write my feelings out. I didn't realize how therapeutic it was until I got older, but at that time, that was my only outlet was that. So I was just, yeah, very confused, torn in my mind between what I want versus what was happening in my life. And I just, I hated it. I just, I didn't want to be alive. I felt suicidal. I didn't want to be alive at all, but I didn't want to die either. I think a lot of people, they say they want to die, but it's more like they just want the pain to end. It's not even that they want to, they want to be happy. They just literally just want the pain to end, but it feels like it continues and it doesn't end. And I think that's how I felt because I wasn't able to regulate my emotions and I wasn't, I did not understand trauma or intergenerational trauma or anything that I know right now, I had absolutely no clue about, you know, 15 years ago. If I had known then what I know now, I'd probably have reacted or dealt with my my issues in the in a better way. I was also scared to go see like a psychologist or a school counselor because it wasn't confidential and I was under 18. So I didn't want my family to find out how I was feeling because I would have been labeled as crazy because nobody talks about mental health in my family. So yeah wow that's that's a lot isn't it when you can't even confide in anybody that's why I used to write in my diary I felt like I could write and get the emotions out I could talk to a few friends but you know when you're 15 and you have 15 year old friends how much do they understand and how much do they advise you and how much what do you say like everybody's fighting such a deep battle. Like so many people came from broken homes in my school and so many, so everybody just dealt with it in different ways. But for me, it just, it affected me a lot. And I'm not, I'm not saying it didn't affect them, but just what you see on the surface versus what a person's going through inside the two different things. So nobody in school really knew what I was going through because I wasn't saying anything. Like I couldn't, because I was going through so much bullying as well. So it was, it, it, it was just like layer after layer after layer of like mental anguish it's just like living in hell isn't it like seriously I mean it's just and we're so empty inside we just Mm -hmm. feel so lost because we just don't have the care and the love there's nobody to turn to and we're just you know getting bullied I mean it's just like you say it is layers and layers of shit that we have to deal with and it's no wonder that you feel suicidal because I mean like you say a lot of times it's not that I I actually want to end my life I just want to end this life I just want to get out of I want to leave this one there's got to be a better one than this yeah It's just, you want to end the situation and you keep thinking, when is it going to end? When is it going to end? What do I have to do to end it? So, you know, and then, and then people look for other means to, to take them away from reality. Like, you know, it could be TV shows or it could be drugs or alcohol or smoking or gambling or whatever, because that's the only natural reaction you're going to have when you just want to numb the pain. Like you're literally just trying to numb the pain and how else do you do it? 
you know, it feels like there's no other outlet. So this is what you do. Yeah. yeah. So was that, were you drinking that time? Yeah. It was, but you literally feel numb when you drink. Like you literally feel numb. And I think that's what I did. Yeah, 100%. Because <laughs> if you can, like so many times you're just trying to escape from your reality and you know it's temporary, but something's better than nothing. So you just hold that because that's the only thing that makes you feel whole and complete just for five hours, just a few hours. And then when you have reality and you're like, oh crap, (laughs) round two, round three, round four, here we go. (laughs) You just have to keep going back there. And so you talked a little bit about relationships with, with men. Can you talk a little bit more about your first relationships and how confusing that was for you? I think... I didn't know what to expect from men in a relationship. My expectations of a father was different to being in a romantic relationship. And because my dad was never there, I had nobody to model behavior. And the men who were in my life, they themselves were emotionally dysfunctional. So you actually don't know what to expect. So you just take what you get because it's better than what you had. Or you take what you get because they make you feel some sort of happiness. But at the same time, they're also, they themselves may not be healthy. Like I, I chose to be with people who weren't healthy themselves. But I didn't know that. But I do believe that you are what you attract. And I possibly did attract people who, I guess, were in the same mental space as me. Or they were depressed and I was depressed. So we had something in common. <laughs> or they showed me signs of what a man's supposed to be like. And I jumped at it. I think I think I was always I just I just wanted that man there like a man but I did not know what I wanted from him because I was not sure what I was supposed to want from him do you get what I mean like it was easy for me (laughs) obviously as I got older and I was and I happened to have some really good friends who I learned from and I developed my own set of beliefs and values as well seeing people in relationships seeing what I would and would not accept seeing my friends in relationships and I think I've taken everything that I've learned and seen and experienced and became very healthy in what I was looking for. But yeah, at that point it was chaos. I think I was looking for chaos because I did not know what peace felt like. Yeah. hundred percent. And 100%. peace feels weird. Like right now I'm in a very peaceful relationship and it's so strange. It's like, Oh, we don't fight. Like <laughs> we don't do these things. Like we can have a normal conversation. Like there's no arguments. This is nice. <laughs> it's so true it's so true my gosh I remember that too I remember feeling like and I had no idea it was because I was used to chaos anything that felt peaceful was like oh that's what's that (laughs) yeah it is it's so weird (laughs) I still feel weird because you're so used to chaos in your mind then your mind calms down and you're like oh well this is actually quite lovely. Then you realize that's what you deserve. Like, yes, you deserve peace. You deserve love. You deserve to have a conversation rather than an argument. Then you realize how healthy things, like what a healthy relationship looks like. So yeah, it's a very interesting feeling. <laughs> yeah. And I was interested when you said that really every person, every male that was around you growing up, the uncles, it was all emotionally dysregulated. You weren't getting any kind of clues from anybody about how to do anything or what what men were supposed to give you or anything, you know. It was so confusing because they had their own problems 
and they dealt with it in ways that did not actually make sense to me or some people had anger issues or some people were quite stubborn and so it was really like I was confused with the way everybody was and obviously now when I look back I realize where their behaviors come from which is once again intergenerational trauma and trauma so I get it now but obviously that at that point I was just like are these people messed in their head I don't get it <laughs> like what's going on <laughs> makes sense now though yeah yeah yes and was there anybody at any point like when you were growing up that was really kind of different where you looked at them and sometimes there's just like one teacher or somebody that kind of gave you a clue that there was something else I just wonder because you look back and go oh yeah I remember just two teachers in my life where I was like oh wow there was just a different energy for those males that you got a clue very good question wow I don't think so I no there was one person who was quite he was probably the most healthiest out of them all yeah he was a good friend but he also had his his father abandoned him as well so I think he could relate a lot to my pain he was quite level-headed out of all of them. I don't know if I would call him a teacher or not. Not really. And the reason I say that not really is because I attracted, like, like attracts like. So I was attracting people who were broken like myself. Yeah. And then when you finally figure out and learn how to deal with your own pain and you learn about why you do what you do, you start attracting a different level of people and a different kind of people and I've, if I'm looking at, if I'm thinking about my pattern right now, what I used to attract, who I used to go for versus where I'm at now is like two different ends of the scale. I'm just thinking about that now. Wow. My mind's just blown. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow. It's quite interesting. And, and, and you realize it, it's, it's on par with your own journey. Like you continue to grow and the type of people you go for you keep going for more elevated, elevated, elevated people at the same time. So I, I, my journey ended up where, I, where I'm supposed to be right now and education never ends. And I'm with somebody who is quite aligned with me as well. So yeah, yeah. interesting how those things work out itself without you like trying. Yeah, well, it's all about allowing, isn't it? It's opening yourself up to better things and knowing that you have love for yourself. I think that's the key. When yes. You love, when you decide that you have love for yourself, then you're on a, a new path to yes. allowing everything to open up. And that's that's the key. We are taught that you've got to try and strive and you've got to do this and that and and it just doesn't work that way it's it's really all about bringing yourself back to love and peace and then then everything comes to you we're going to leave shalina's story there for this week and please join me next week for the conclusion to shalina's story as she shares her wisdom as a survivor and therapist on fatherlessness and don't forget to check the show notes for details of the self-love initiation too Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. 
If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.